0: Oh, 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 Hi there, I'm Clarence Waldron. Welcome back to Black Muse. Tonight's guest is going to surprise you. He's from the west side, the west side of Chicago, and he's now playing drums for Lenny Kravitz. He spent two years on touring with Shaka Khan. He's done some work with Stevie Wonder. He's a real, real nice guy. I can't wait to get started with him. Hey, Franklin.
1: Hello, how are you? Good to meet you.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Let's start at the top. How did you get that gig working as a drummer for Lenny Kravitz?
1: Okay, you want the long answer or the short answer?
0: I want whatever answer you're you in the mood to give. <laughs> whatever you want to do. Okay,
1: all right, well, 2007. I'm going to tell you the long answer. 2007, this was around the time uh, okay, it was after Stevie Wonder, after Shaka Khan, way after those two. Um, wonderful artists that I had the pleasure of working for. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but I was an apprentice to be an electrician. Really? While I was doing gigs at night and doing studio sessions whenever they came up, like early in the morning, like between 5 a.m. and 1.30 p.m., I was learning how to be an electrician, you wow. know? Exactly, so okay. one day a friend of mine called me uh, and I was at work in, in the daytime. He was asking me, hey, love, what are you doing? Uh, and I told him, you know, a little of this, little of that. And he said, hey, a friend of mine's looking for a drummer. He's gonna call you. And I said, okay, no problem. So a couple of days went by and then I, I, I remember doing a gig in the evening. And then like the next day, Phone rings. We're like hello. I'm like yes. Hi. Um. Is this is Franklin. Like yeah. Speaking. Hi. This is Lenny Kravitz. And I said who? <laughs> like who's this? Like this is Lenny Kravitz. See, it was funny because my friend that called me, he didn't tell me who was looking for a drummer. He didn't tell me who was going to call me. So, you know. I'm talking to Lenny Kravitz on the phone. I'm like, okay, nice to meet you. He said, hey, I'm looking for a drummer. Are you available to fly to New York this weekend? And I said, sure. So I flew out. We played for a couple days, and then I flew back to L.A. It was just like that. And a few more days went by, and he called me again. He wanted me to come back to New York. I said, okay, sure. So when I went back, I met more people. I'm playing more songs, and... And um I hung out a few more days. And then he said, all right, all right, good to see you again. And I went back to my hotel room, flew back to LA. A week goes by. He calls me again. He said, Hey, can you come back out and play this and that? And I said, Okay, wait a minute. if you keep calling me, you gotta start paying me. <laughs> and that's what I said. To him. <laughs> okay. And so he laughed and he said, Yeah, come out, come out, come out. So I flew Yeah. So I, I flew back to New York. And this time, it was for an actual gig at a uh, place called Cipriani's in Manhattan, uh, right off of Park Avenue. And uh, so we played this performance and went well and hung out some more, got paid, went back home. A couple of weeks go by. He calls me again and said, hey, can you come back out and do this? And then so, like, okay, I go back out. And then i started to wonder all right what is this going on what is this am i auditioning like you know before and after other drummers or something like that i, I wasn't quite sure
0: right. and then
1: someone told me like no you're you're not auditioning actually there's no other drummers he's looking at he's just looking at you i said okay that was encouraging so we played more and more and more and uh I stayed in New York for like a week at that time. And then like, he finally pulled me aside and said, hey man, you know, I really enjoy your your playing. I just wanna know if you're interested in being in the band. And I said, absolutely. And he said, all right, well, the manager's gonna call you and work out details and all that stuff. So that's how I got the job.
0: Wow, wow. Just so like how, that. How long have
1: you been with him, 13 years? 14, roughly, because wow. like a year and a half I left, you know, like uh, 2014 going into 2015. Um, the other drummer who used to use, uh, her name is Cindy Blackman, wonderful drummer. Uh, we know each other as well. Uh, she came back for like a, a reunion type thing mm-hmm. uh, at the time. So that lasted like a year and a half, and then uh, he immediately wanted me to come back uh to you know work with them again so collectively it's been a little over 14 years.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah so what is it like to share the stage with Lenny Kravitz? What is that like?
1: Let me tell you this. Years ago, you know, after playing with Stanley Clark and Stevie and Shaka and all that stuff, you know, during those times I was working on my own music. And, and my music has always been rock driven. And during those times, I was saying to myself, I really want to work with an artist that's really in the rock and roll genre. So when I was introduced to him, it was like a dream come true. So sharing the stage with him, honestly, it feels natural. It, 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 it fits, it's natural, it's fun, it, 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 it you know, <laughs> natural. That's how oh, it feels. Okay. Yeah. No. Very natural. Fun. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. So, what kind of things are you learning about the music industry by being on tour with Lenny Kravitz?
1: Good question. Um, over the years, I've developed quite a few awesome contacts. Um, I've learned over the years that it's not only about the music. A lot of it's about the business. And I've always had a business mindset to begin with, anyway. But when I got with him, I saw a lot of things. He was teaching me a lot of things without realizing it. You know, mm. I'm, I'm those type of people that I'd rather watch before I say something. You know, I'm, I learn better by just looking and listening, okay. you know. So developing business, uh, looking great on stage, you know, it's not only about the music, it's about how you come off. It's about how you present yourself. It's about being honest with your delivery as well. Having a good team around you. Those are all the things that I learned over the years with him. You know, musically, when I first joined the band, like I knew I would like the situation because we have a lot in common musically. Like, I knew that before we even met. So, like, to be quite honest, my music lessons were over after the first four years of working with him because playing with him, I had to find a way to give him what he wanted musically but still be myself because, like, his brand of rock and roll is very eclectic and, it's it's coming from R&B, funk, rock, a um, little bit of Curtis Mayfield, all rolled up into one with yeah. an A. So I had to find a way to play like, like the character in his drumming because, number one, I, I don't think a lot of people know this. He plays the drums on his records, not me. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I i don't drum on his records. I, I only work with him on the live tours and television, you know, okay. and I, I'll say that unfortunately, but that's how he's always been. So okay. he, I had to play the character, the character type of drumming that he has. I I had to come as close as possible of feeling the way he feels on the drums but still be Franklin Vanderbilt. Wow. And, you know, it, it, it took me a couple months to do that.
0: Okay.
1: You know, because like, you know, a, 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 as a working musician, you always try to do your best to accommodate the situation, to accommodate the music, but still bring out who you are. Because like, I'm not the type of person that, that believes in just putting your true, identity and character aside for a paycheck.
0: Right,
1: right. Yes, I'm saying that. But luckily we had a lot in common and and I really dug what he was doing and and where he was coming from. So it was kind of easy to adapt to what he wanted but yet and still be me, you know?
0: Got it, got it. Now you have a show coming up with him that you've heard from now. Is that gonna be in Paris or where, where would that show be?
1: Yes, sir. It's going to be in Paris, okay. uh, right in front of the, the Eiffel Tower. It's, it's it's a huge situation. It's it's uh it's something I never thought about doing, but uh, yeah, I'm leaving in a couple of weeks uh, to perform there. It's, it's a giant situation. We always do giant things, okay. <laughs> you know. I like that. I like yeah.
0: that. I like that.
1: I'm right. looking forward. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's yeah. a show alongside Billy Eilish, and uh, who else is on the show? Several I other people. I know study.
0: studded I know it started studded yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Looking forward to it.
0: Yeah. So before Lenny, you were with Chucky Khan. What was that experience like for you?
1: Working with her was like being at home because we all know that she's also from the South Side of Chicago.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Exactly.
1: <laughs> To me, it was like coming home. Mm, Um, mm. When we met, uh, again, it was the the previous relationships that I had, someone introduced me to her. She came to Vegas, and during this time, I was living in Las Vegas, and uh, a guy by the name of Ricky Rouse, no, let me back up a second. A guy by the name of Lonnie Motley introduced me to her musical director at the time, his name was Ricky Rouse, or should I say he became her musical director? He's a guitar player. Um so Lonnie Motley introduced me to Ricky Rouse, and then Ricky Rouse introduced me to Shaka Khan. And so when we met, you know, she already had a report on me, and little did I realize she was looking to change the band. And my name was recommended, and she sent me all of the show tapes. CDs at the time, and I learned everything. And then August of 2002, I was flown out to Los Angeles which is where I am now, uh, to play a gig. And luckily it went well. And then later that evening she told me, um, I would love to have you, you got the job. And then the following year, thanks to her, I was able to move to Los Angeles. So my transition from Las Vegas to Los Angeles was quite easy. I was already employed as a musician back then. So uh, I, I took the moment and ran with it. it. Uh, I left Chicago in 1999. I was in my early 20s. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so
0: that was my life. Say it again.
1: That was the best day of my life when I left uh, Chicago uh, playing drums with a previous artist at the time. Uh, I, I moved from Chicago to Las Vegas and Thanks to Shaka Khan from Las Vegas to Los Angeles.
0: Okay. Okay. In
1: 2003.
0: Okay. So who was the artist that you had had the gig the gig with? Was that the Vegas? When you went to Vegas?
1: The person or the artist that took me out of Chicago, his name was Ghalib Galab. That's right. I'm, I'm not sure if you guys know that name. Oh, I do. Okay, yeah. awesome. Unfortunately, yes passed away about 10 years ago. Right. And thanks to him, you know, I ran into him in Chicago, not realizing that he was working in Vegas. And I was just off a tour with a blues rock band at the time. And someone introduced me to him, and I just sat in at a little club at the time called The Back Room on Rush Street. I'm sure you guys remember it.
0: Absolutely, sure do, sure do. That
1: one evening changed my life. I met Galeed Galab. Before you know it, he sent me a ticket to come out to Las Vegas and work for a few months. And those few months turned into, you know, a few years.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: You know? Amazing. So now yeah. along the
0: way, you also ran into Stevie Wonder. So tell us about how that came about. Cause it seems like everybody introduces you to someone who knows someone who knows someone. I, I don't know, but go ahead. Stevie correct. Wonder.
1: That is correct. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, A fellow drummer, friend of mine. Uh, his name is Trevor Lawrence. Uh, he gave me a call one afternoon and he needed me to cover for him because he was involved in some other projects and he couldn't make it. So I, I was actually substituting for him. And I was introduced to Stevie Wonder. Um, they sent me all the music set lists, and everything and I worked with him for like a month. Okay. Yeah, so that's how that happened. It was just recommendation. I was covering for him. He couldn't make it.
0: Right. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Got it. Got it. Now this is the uh, Black Muse video podcast. So I always yeah. ask the guests, "Who inspired you? Who told young Franklin that you're gonna make it one day?" Ha.
1: Well, first of all, I had half still, you know, great parents. You know, my father was very supportive encouraging you know my mom was encouraging and funny (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. um no one had a problem with me setting up my drum kit in the middle of the dining room and just drumming away so first and foremost it was my parents and my grandparents that were extremely supportive and my band directors in high school at the time were very supportive Uh, people I've met along the way, uh, you know, Ramsey Lewis was very supportive. Yes. Yes. Just quite a few people. Uh, and and even, (laughs) I had a high school girlfriend at the time. Uh, even her mother was very supportive. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Very, very fun times. Like, I I remember the way my girlfriend's mother used to speak with me at the time. She was so encouraging. She said, there's something about you. You know, you're you're gonna end up with some major people. You're gonna be a star and all this stuff. You know, like she would speak to me this way all the time. So apparently she saw what I didn't clearly see yet. And this was like my high school days, you know, like she was very nice to me, but all of my mentors, band and orchestra. Uh, I'm a ROTC kid. Uh, I went to Surge High School, so ROTC was very awesome for me. You know, so so all of my officers in ROTC, they were very pushy and very encouraging at the same time. You know, like I actually appreciated how aggressive they were because it. it allowed me or motivated me, I would say, to step up and and become more of a man. You know, I, I started to understand the direction that they were pointing me. Um, One of my directors in ROTC at the time, his name is Ricardo Garcia. He was extremely encouraging, you know. I had a blast in high school.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> now, did you perform in the church band? Did I read correctly? Did-
1: Yes, Um, my grandparents had a church in the basement in the house that I grew up in. My grandmother, Lucille Montgomery, and my grandfather, Columbus Montgomery. Um, I grew up at 4323 West Monroe, you know, right there in K Town. Unfortunately, the house that I grew up in is no longer there. Right. But in the basement, we had a church. And every Sunday, we would have people from the neighborhood and across, you know, the south and west side. They would come to this little church in the basement. And that's where I started to play. I was in a church band called the Freeway Angels. Sounds like a motorcycle band.
0: <laughs> it does.
1: <did>. It <laughs> motorcycle gang. But but that was the name of our our church band with my cousins and aunts and uncles. So it was the Freeway Angels and Mickey and his angels. And also, I played. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Hey, y'all have to laugh. (laughs) Also, uh, in my high school years, I played with my uncle, my uncle Robert Vanderbilt. Um, I really got, start with the gospel quartet group. He had a group called the Foundations of Souls. And my uncle was like the lead singer and I had a blast playing with him. You know, and this is my father's oldest brother. So it was, his name is Robert Vanderbilt II. And uh we spent a lot of time together. Like as much time as much time as I spent with my father, I was always with my uncle because he would come pick me up twice a week in the evenings after my homework or going to the church to rehearse because we got a church gig coming up in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And so like I, I would leave the city with him to play in the gospel quartet group. And I'm sure you guys okay. know about that kind of stuff, that kind of sure. gospel music. Sure. You know, sure. guys with the suits, the matching yeah. suits, you know, <laughs> kind of like the temptations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the gospel way, you know, doing all that stuff.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> you a <are> trip? <tripping.
1: laughs> oh, gosh. I had a ball playing that stuff, man. Yeah. It, it's great. So it was all my start. So, like, in the daytime, I would go to school, and at nighttime, I was playing in jazz clubs because my professional career began when I was, like, 16 years old. You know, I, I met Ramsey Lewis and Clark Terry. So I'm playing in jazz clubs. And then I'm playing with my uncle in church too, with the gospel quartet. So I was quite busy.
0: Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, let's stop there. Let's go to Ramsey Lewis and Clark Terry. What kind of experience was that being around them? What did, what did you learn? What did you see?
1: Okay, well, I'm sure you guys are familiar with the Rabinia Jazz Mentors Program? Absolutely, sure. I yeah. I am a product of that. That's how all that happened. I didn't know that. I didn't yes. know.
0: You put yes. that in your bio. Put that in your bio. Okay. Right.
1: Okay. Uh, my junior and senior year, I was my band director in high school, Carl Anis, uh, God rest his soul. He introduced me to the Rabinia Jazz Mentors Program, and so. Uh, Ernie Adams, amazing drummer that I'm still in touch with to this day. He was one of my main teachers, you yeah. know, and he influenced me a lot to really go professional. So I, I was taking drum lessons from Ernie Adams, Willie Pickens, the piano player. Yes, yeah, yes. I was around these guys, Marlene Rosenberg, Pat Malinger. So I and Orbert Davis, which I yes. spoke to months ago. You know, um, okay. I, I knew all these people, they raised me. They pushed okay. me to turn professional. Wow. So, so they all took me under their wing. And then I, introdu- I was introduced to Ramsey Lewis, which was heavily involved with the Ravinia Jazz Mentors Program at the time. So that's how I ended up playing with him. And then um, I had the pleasure of playing on stage at Ravinia with Clark Terry. Ooh, ooh. And uh, okay. that was an experience for me. Okay. It was a huge experience because, like, I, I know I knew how important he was. Um, the Rabinia Jazz Mentors Band played at Ravinia two years in a row, and I had the pleasure of meeting Joe Williams.
0: Mm, my man, come on, come my on,
1: Ooh. Joe Williams, Nancy uh, Wilson. It's like I'm around this type of stuff at 17 years old, and. I was already familiar with Joe Williams right. when I was in high school because like I was learning a lot of jazz and I was reading and writing music. So I, I was into that. Right. But like when I finally met Joe Williams, I didn't realize how tall he was. Yes, he
0: was. he was. You
1: know? So like when I met him, like he had on this white blazer and these black pants and he looked really strong. Yes. You know? <laughs> he How you doing, man? And I'm like, hello, sir, <laughs> how are you? I was like, wow, you have these huge hands. Like, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, like it's an honor to meet you. You know, very much, he's a powerful man. You know, yes. honor yes. to meet you. And then with Nancy Williams, like, I just had stars in my eyes. Right, right, right. Like, incredible just to hear her sing, you know. Yes,
0: yes. But that's cool. Yeah. Now, let's move on to your performing
1: arts school
0: that you're trying to build here in Chicago. What's going on with that? What's, what's that going to be about?
1: OK, obviously, you guys know that you, you know when all of the schools closed back in 2013. Yes. You know? yes. um, when I heard about that, I was looking on the list, and then I saw Nathan Goldblatt. I said, wait a minute. That's my school. So from that point forward back then, I said, somehow, some way, I am going to get this school and, and, and make it out of something. Now, back then my vision wasn't completely clear yet, but I just knew I wanted to do it when I, when I heard about it. So a few years went by and I was checking on it. And between 2015, In 2019, I moved to New York City. And I decided to start to pursue this dream. Like I I I decided to start the process of acquiring the building. So in 20, what is that, 2016 or 2017? Mm -hmm. I started to do news interviews about my dream to do this. So like my first interview was on Fox. So oh. once I started to put together what I wanted to do, I said, all right, I'm gonna start talking about it. So I started to tell everyone that I am going to build a performance arts and financial literacy center okay. Okay. in Chicago. And I'm going to acquire my former grade school building. And, and I started to take these visits to Chicago and get on the ground to see what was happening to detail in the neighborhoods. So I started talking with the city. I started to slowly put my team together, my legal team and everything. And the more news interviews I did, uh, you know, the more awareness started to show up. And I started to meet this person and that person. And, and then finally uh, I, I met the former mayor and uh, now I'm a lot closer. I just signed a disclaimer waiver and release with CPS and the appraisal's coming shortly. And uh I formed my file my I formed my 501c3, the Franklin Vanderbilt Foundation. And um I'm weeks away from acquiring the building now. Well, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, so the appraisal is coming shortly this month, as a matter of fact.
0: Okay. Now of yeah. course I know the answer to this, but why why the school? Why the school? Are you Is there a message that you're trying to say to the young people?
1: Yeah, here's the message. Well, when I was growing up, I had these opportunities. Um, Basically, what's happening now, you know, all of the problems that we're having now, I believe that is coming from the lack of not having direction and, and, and having like parents, strong parents, it's the lack of parenting. And the lack of direction, the lack of opportunities. Right. I, right. I strongly believe this is why we're having all of these problems right now, today. You know, all of this generational poverty and, and, and this generational negative thinking. You know, it, it's, it, it's a bad situation. When I was growing up, I had activities. I had opportunities. I had the drive to go after what I wanted. I had the encouragement to go after what I wanted. Now that stuff, it it doesn't exist, not even in the school system. You know, it's like you're being taught to stay where you are. So I put together a program that presents these opportunities to you. Um, My program is driven by performance arts, but also, you know, we'll have financial literacy in there as well. Like I'm teaching life skills through music, through performing arts.
0: Love it, love it. Yes,
1: yes. Yeah.
0: Cool, cool. Now, you know, uh, this is uh, Black Music Month. Why should we celebrate Black Music Month? Why is it important to acknowledge that month?
1: Don't get upset with me for saying this, but oh, no. Black Music is American music if you really think about it? It is. How many times have how many times have black music influenced or created or birthed all genres of music? Blues comes from gospel. Ragtime. You, you can call that black music, right? but right. when you really look at it at a broader scale it's american music
0: american music okay.
1: blues well rock and roll comes from blues blues comes from gospel we have jazz and it look like like everything black music has birthed american music globally so i celebrate black music every day of my life you know, like it, like everything I listen to, it, it, it's it, it's all rooted in African rhythms. You know, it's, it's African rhythms, African sounds. You know, it's American music as far as I'm concerned. You know, okay. so like, I'm proud to be black, but I'm proud to be an American and I'm proud to be a musician that's doing american music you know I hear,
0: that. I hear that
1: yeah so black music is american music to me because like everyone everyone tries to play what we do you know we're responsible for a lot of things we birthed a lot of things like i'm i'm proud to call myself a rock and roll drummer but see i started playing blues and gospel that's Jesus. how it all began for me i started playing blues gospel jazz black music right 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 rock and roll okay black music but it's all american music to me all of it
0: got it got yes it. all right all right now you study music at Eastern Illinois University. How did that experience help you even to today?
1: My percussion teacher, Professor Johnny Lee Lane, was a tyrant. He was mm. very tough, but very kind. Um, it, it really helped me with my persistence and dedication. When I arrived to college, I was already a professional, you know, because because, like I said, uh, I was playing in jazz clubs at 16, 17, 18 years old already. And I was getting paid. Like the first gig I ever did, like I made 200 bucks. My very first gig, professional. And, and I remember my dad came to pick me up and the band, leader, the band leader handed me a white envelope. I jumped in the car and it was 200 bucks in there. I said, dad, I want to do this for a living. So by the time i arrived to college i was a professional already but i was broadening my skills even more i was sharpening my skills so so he helped me with my persistence uh, my dedication my focus just really do things correctly it's not only about talent it's about persistence because Hmm. there's a lot of talented people out there but If your work ethic is this big, you're you're not going anywhere. You can't just rely on your talent to deliver. Your your work ethic has to be this high, you know? So that's what I learned in college. Persistent work ethic. If you're gonna do something, commit to it and do it right.
0: Okay, okay. Okay. Now you're also a singer, you mentioned it earlier. You're a singer. Is there a solo album that you're working on right now?
1: Yes, well, as a matter of fact, it's all finished. Uh, oh. I'm actually working on the music business. Uh, it's a rock album, uh, okay. rock, hot rock, folk rock, you know, but more driven towards um, hard rock. I have a couple of songs on there that's considered uh, like folky, you okay. know, because I also like folk music, you okay. know. But, uh, but yes, it's, it's all finished and I'm working on the music business right now, me and my team that's been forming. Okay,
0: okay. Yeah. Good enough. And you're also an actor, is that correct?
1: Yes. So
0: you're all over the place. You're doing everything.
1: You know, let me tell you, um, the way the acting thing started, you know, I was in high school and quite often I would be called upon to provide the music for the theater program. And there were some times that I would, I would have to jump on stage to participate with a few lines here and there, and then jump back into orchestra pit and continue to play music. So that's how it all began for me. Mm. And, and you know what? I'll take it back even further. Okay. I enjoy watching Sanford and Son and all in the family, all of those kind of shows, like like all of those Norman Lear shows, it, it, the interest started to you know form watching those television shows as a kid. but when I when I arrived to high school, I was a part of the theater program from the musical point of view. So because I was around them all the time, the interest started to grow. Fast forward to you know 2010, I decided to get myself into some acting classes. And, you know, I, I did that for like nine months. And then throughout the years, I studied privately with Cleo King and Bobby Chance. And and before you know it, um, I, I picked up a few films here and there. Okay. Um, I've done a few things already. I just finished shooting a pilot with Rick Springfield. Hmm. Yeah, but you know Rick Springfield, the guitarist and actor. Yeah. He's yeah. on General Hospital for many years and yeah. and some other things. So uh, I just finished working with him, and right now uh, they're shopping around this TV show that I have a recurring role in. So I'm looking forward to that being done.
0: Oh, nice, nice. You know? okay. All right. Yeah, well, we heard it here first. We heard it here first. Exactly. <laughs> so I can't believe that our, our time is up. Anything else you would like to share? Anything else on your mind Well, I got you here? Anything else?
1: Follow your dreams. The heart doesn't lie. Your intuition doesn't lie. Don't be afraid to tap into your passions. Live what you feel, because most times that's the truth about you. You know, what's inside comes out. If, if, if your heart and your entire being gravitates towards something, that you're attracted to or something that you love, that's where your truth is. Do it. Do it. Never let anyone stop you because if you don't go after what you believe in, you'll regret it later. So follow your passions 100%. Follow your intuition because that's where the truth is all the time. All the time.
0: But well, those are powerful words. I, I love it. I love it. So thank you very much for your time. I really enjoyed this conversation.
1: The feeling is extremely mutual. Um, I should be interviewing you. I know about all of your work with uh, Jet Magazine, and uh-huh. uh, like, like you're responsible for us. You're responsible for me being what I am today because, like, I used to look at Jet Magazine all the time and. And the pretty girls, most of the time, I'll fast forward to the pretty girls <laughs> first. If that, and then you read. <laughs> I'll look at that page first, and yes. then I'll read the rest of the stuff. But right. but on a serious note, it was quite empowering growing up. So I appreciate what you did for me.
0: Well, wow, well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you. Okay. All right.